Um, today, I want to talk about uh, some thoughts I have about growing old. And for some of you, you may feel like this is not your topic, that you don't have enough years yet. But perhaps by the end, you'll realize that um, uh, it actually is your topic as well. It's all of ours. My talk is rooted in the five remembrances, a teaching that uh, was shared by the Buddha. And in the words of the late, great Thich Nhat Hanh, um, his translation is, I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I'm of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape ill health. I'm of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. If you hear this with um, just kind of your intellect, you may feel that this is very grim. It sounds like a trap, this life, no way to escape. But I think if you listen to this with your intellect and your heart, the message that can emerge, that should emerge, is that life is precious. And it is also very mutable. It, it is impermanent. And we must live in a way that is in accord with our understanding of this, that life is precious. So to focus in on the part about aging, I'm of the nature to grow old. Y'all are of the nature to grow old, and we can't escape that. When we're very young, every milestone is anticipated and celebrated, right? With photos and with phone calls and um, cigars when we're born, maybe. <laughs> we can still do that. And um, pencil marks on the wall. This is called um, growing. And then we move into growing up. And then at some point we are grown. And after a while, we are growing old. But it's all the continuous process of aging, isn't it? There's no hill to go over. But the funny thing in our society is that our enthusiasm for aging and the milestones that we reach and the effects of uh, being alive changes over time, right? Our enthusiasm subsides the older we get. Our society's enthusiasm subsides. And after we're grown, our milestones are marked in... Um, yeah, like uh, numbers, you know, like 20 years with the company or uh, married 55 years or 100 years old. But the physical of the work of the body is not celebrated like it used to be. 
So I, I've been playing with this idea of applying the joy that we have for a very young person aging to our processes now, wherever we are. Can you feel that too? Can you think about that? If you have a little child or you have a little nephew and niece, how enthusiastic you were to uh, get to change the diaper for the first time? Maybe. Um, the first time they said your name. Can that translate into aging as well? Maybe it's a little bit rough, but I think it begins to crack the surface of the conditioning that we have about aging to, to, to allow our minds to move that way, to see if they'll move that way. And um, it, it allows us to examine our conditioned thinking. And it's by examining our thinking, our conditioning, that we can be liberated from it. It's by looking at things we've always assumed to be true about aging, about ourselves, about others, that we find freedom in seeing how impermanent those things are. They may be tenacious, but they're impermanent, just like aging. If you can't find the joy, just the unbridled joy of living with aging, maybe an exercise of appreciation will help. Well, um, today I'm experiencing sciatica. Again, looking at Maite, who, yes, and Constance, who helped me several months ago with sciatica. Well, I'm feeling it again. And it's the uh, accumulation of actions that I had over years, thinking that my spine and my muscles and my nerves were going to go on forever. And so I'm, I'm feeling some pain. But what do I appreciate about it? Well, the pain of walking down my left side makes me really slow down and be mindful about what I'm doing, what what's going on. That has a cascade of benefits. It makes me empathetic with people who are mobility impaired. It makes me want to accommodate them rather than maybe being judgmental. It makes me appreciate the strength of my back that I have for so long to be able to pick up things that I should have asked other people to help me with. And it also makes me appreciate this innate ability we have to heal. Yes, we are of the nature to grow ill, but we are also of the nature to heal if we allow the conditions. So tell me, this is not great, right? These things that are stemming from my experience with sciatica. Um, if you feel like it's kind of naive or sort of Pollyanna, that's a term I, I hate, but, uh, or I'm not fond of, um, <laughs> um, to, to, to look for something that is um, 
like these, you know, the benefits of a moment of mindfulness because you're hurting. Well, I think that's a choice to put on blinders to some really good aspects of what is happening in your life, even when you're suffering. So you don't have to go on being 100% grouchy about your condition. You have, you can choose. Why does fear have a bad rap in our, why does aging have a bad rap in our society? Well, I already gave it away. <laughs> now I tell every joke too. <laughs> giving the punchline first. I think it's fear. It's fear of losing control, of losing purpose. It's fear of losing love. And um, it's fear of being in pain. All these things are present in every stage of life. Um, so it gives us an opportunity to start working with these things now. Um, I don't really think it's going to be all roses and rainbows if I just shift my perspective on aging so that I see the, the, um, the benefits, the good parts along with any pain and suffering, but I don't really know. I haven't been able to, you know, shift my views enough to know that. But I do know that there is no pain in my life as a 55-year-old equal to what I felt when I was in seventh grade. I was a young person. Also want to say some things about right speech and aging. Right speech is one of the eightfold paths of enlightenment that was taught by the Buddha. Um, you know, women are expected to lie about their age. I don't think men feel that, you know, um, conditioning as much. I don't think they feel compelled to lie about your age. I, you know, you can correct me if that's not true. But um, it's almost a trope that whatever age a woman says she is, she's not. You know, her birth certificate may say something else. And I think that is because um, the in times past, the closer a person is to childbearing, the more value they've had in society. But for whatever faults that our culture has, um, estimating a woman's value, her worth to society by the number of babies that she has is not one of them. So for us to continue to be 39 forever and, you know, and make comments about being younger than we actually are, um, I don't think is right speech. So I uphold my age, 55, I didn't say that already. And every year uh, on Facebook, Facebook helpfully announces my birthday. And then I follow up with the same message about not lying about our age because I do think it's important. It, it says a, it's, it's a message about the value that we have for ourselves and the value that our society has for us. Likewise, comments about age groups, um, they can be pretty funny, right? But they're also um, a source of pain too, in another sense. 
So um, ageism is real. So take care in differentiating people by their generation, saying that Gen Z is so-and-so or OK Boomer just like erases the whole panoply of the richness of the human experience and says people are just like this or just like this or just like this. And that is inaccurate. In Buddhism, we say inaccuracy is delusion. And delusion is one of the roots of suffering. So take care. And the language that we use for the elderly, you may have heard that term aging well or not aging well. She's not aging well, the actress. It's a, kind of like a source of schadenfreude. What aging well means is they don't look like they're aging. And I think that says more about the speaker than it does about the person who is spoken of. It says more about their conditioning about aging. We're all of the nature to grow old, no matter how we look. The word spry, um, it comes loaded with ageism. And I didn't tap into that. I didn't realize that until I used it to describe a couple at the grand opening last Saturday. They um, took to the trails, and my friends and I followed them and never caught up with them. So back in the kitchen, I said something about them being spry, and I could see from their faces it wasn't a compliment. I think that what they heard was, well, they probably heard that a lot, the, the spry. Y'all are spry. I think what they heard was... um you're old and you're not normal. You're not my idea of normal. The teacher, Kaz Tanahashi, who is a translator and um, an artist and a peace activist and um, has come here frequently over the years, said in a talk here that his wife teased him for exaggerating his age. <laughs> he was somewhere south of 75, but he said he was 75. And um, I don't know, that was maybe a choice of his, but I also understood that he comes from a culture where age is valued. And so the older you are, the more respect you gain. So he was rounding up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it right speech to round up your age? Well, I'm not judging, but I will say that this story helped kind of crack open my feelings about aging and has stuck with me all these years. Does it sound like I'm advocating for policing your speech about aging? I'm really advocating for being aware of what you say about aging and um, also to adjust accordingly to avoid suffering. It's about awareness. So in conclusion, <coughs> let's keep the five remembrances close. 
wise people have put them on their bathroom mirrors so that they see them every day. They are again. I am of the nature to grow old. I can't escape growing old. I'm of the nature to have ill health. I can't escape having ill health. I'm of the nature to die. I can't escape dying. Everyone and everything around me will change, grow old, become sick, and die. The only thing I truly possess is my thoughts and actions. It's not your fault that these things happen. It's your nature. But we do have choices that we can make about our life, our health, our relationships. And one more thing, Dogen Zenji, who is the founder, our ancestor, uh, founder of this lineage of Zen, died at age 53. So he never had an opportunity in that life to experience some of the effects of aging. But he did write a lot about time and about being. And I'm not the person to speak about that because, frankly, I don't understand it. I understand it when my teachers tell me and then it sort of vanishes. And I can't repeat it at, at this point anyway. But I do understand when he wrote, don't waste time. He wrote again and again that our lives are precious. And so I'm honored to be relaying these words to you today.